look with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans to chapter 5. The book of Romans and in chapter 5, I'd like to read verse 1 through verse 10. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience, experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed because of love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Our message is, for whom did Christ die? Is a question to which many answers could be given. There have been many questions, many, many debates over the years, many controversies, discussions over this question. It's a very simple question. For whom did Christ die? Our text, verse 6, I believe cuts right to the very heart of the matter. And there should be no debates, questions, controversies concerning what is written here. The last words of verse 6, Christ died for the ungodly. Very simply put, but what a wonderful truth this is. The Bible is very clear upon the matter. For whom did Jesus Christ die? Well, according to verse 6, he died for the ungodly. You look at verse 8, the latter part of the verse, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. I read in verse 8, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. In verse 20 of this same chapter, the Bible tells us in the last half of that verse, But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. If you studied this verse of Scripture any at all, you'll know that this is speaking about God's superabounding grace. 
superabounding grace to whom? To whom does this grace abound? Well, ungodly sinners. Ungodly sinners. For whom did Christ die? Christ died according to our text. He died for the ungodly. This is a mystery unto many. It is a mystery that the Bible tells us even the angels desire to look into. That the Son of God would leave heaven, become a man, and die for ungodly creatures. It's just a mystery to the angels. The angels, I believe, attend the Lord's churches to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and look into these things. Where else are they going to find the answer? They look into these things in the, in the Lord's churches. When you look at what our, our text says, again, it's an astonishing fact that Christ died at all. That's an amazement that ought to just just stagger us that Christ died, but that is a vital part of the Scripture. But then we read that He died for the ungodly. My message today, as we consider for whom did Christ die, I'm not going to deal with the matter of particular redemption, even though that is a biblical doctrine in which I strongly believe, but rather my message is very simple. In verse 6, Christ died for the ungodly. Let us never forget that, nor ever remove ourselves from that. Christ died for the ungodly. Now, this certainly does not mean that he died for all of the ungodly without exception. It does not mean every ungodly creature is going to be saved, but it does mean everyone that Christ died for was ungodly. Every one of them was an ungodly sinner, for he came into the world to save sinners. He died for the ungodly. He laid down his life for sinners. Now, this is a very humbling doctrine for us who are saved. There's no room for pride here or self-justification or self-righteousness. If you are saved, you must put yourself by nature in this group that is referred to as the ungodly, as the ungodly. The death of Jesus Christ was a legal death. It was a legal death. When the Lord laid upon him our iniquity, and when Jesus did bear our sin in his own body on the tree, divine justice demanded that he die. The wages of sin he would pay for all of those for whom he died 
divine justice demanded his death. A legal death by divine justice, he must die. Christ died for the ungodly. It's amazing when you look through the scripture and notice the nature and the characteristics of those for whom Christ died. Dead spiritually in trespasses and sins. Our text verse, ungodly. Verse 8, sinners. Now I go back to verse 6. Without strength. You might think that would go without saying. If they're dead, they're without strength. Which means they can do nothing to better themselves. Even if they had the desire to do so. Verse 10 says, enemies. Enemies. The characteristics of those for whom Jesus Christ died. Ungodly. That one word just sums it up. It just sums it up. Many times in our daily conversation, we might think of someone that commits a heinous crime as being an ungodly person. But keep in mind, you were no better than they by nature. You were ungodly. Without God, without Christ in the world, without the Spirit of God, without any hope in and of yourself, an ungodly sinner. I want to look in First Thessalonians in chapter 4. I just mentioned without the Holy Spirit, I think sometimes we may forget how important that is. We know without God, they were without Christ, but without the Spirit of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and in verse, verse 8. He therefore that despises, despises not man, but God who hath also given unto us of his Holy Spirit. Now, just a little bit of thought will bring us to the conclusion, if God has given us of his Holy Spirit, we did not have it previously. We did not have it. I don't think any of us realize the depraved state we were in by nature. Without God, without Christ, without the Holy Spirit. Those for whom Christ died were as ungodly as any ungodly sinner that's ever been lit or recorded in history. There's been a lot of people in this country have committed such great crimes, we wouldn't even want to speak about them. But we were no better than they. We were no better than they. There's been world leaders over throughout history 
that have committed great atrocities against humanity. By nature, we were no better than they. They were ungodly, and so were we. And when I look at our text in Romans 5 and in verse 6, I'll say again, I do not know a better word to describe mankind by nature as being ungodly without God. Ungodly. I'm going to mention this. This is how God viewed you before you were born, before the world was created. Here's how God viewed you when he chose you unto salvation. He viewed you as an ungodly sinner. That's how God did view you. That's how Christ viewed you when he died for you. Because we, we read here, he died for the ungodly. Surely he knew for whom it was he died. He died for the ungodly. Now I mentioned this is how God viewed you when he chose you out of Adam's race unto salvation. And I'm aware of the fact there are many that dispute that. There are many that deny that. There are some that say that God did not view the fall of Adam when he chose some unto salvation. There's long big words for that, superlapsarianism. On the other hand, there are those that say, well, God did view us as fallen creatures when he chose us. Another big word for that, infralapsarianism, sometimes called sublapsarianism, but that don't really matter. I think the view is absurd to say that God did not view us as fallen sinners when he chose us unto salvation, or else why choose us unto salvation? He chose us unto salvation. But People get caught up in all of this, and I'll just add, it's a, a time wasted and an exercise in futility to try to put in some kind of order God's eternal decrees. It happened in eternity, and I'm not fit or qualified to say he did this first or second or third in eternity when there was no time. I'm convinced by Scripture, God viewed us as fallen creatures, ungodly creatures. And He chose us unto salvation, all because of grace. If you really understand and believe the last words of verse 6, you'll have an understanding of God's grace. Not one thing good in or about those for whom Christ died. Not one thing. The word ungodly is used here. It really needs no definition, I would not think. It seems to be uh, self-explanatory. 
But it seems like when some read the word ungodly or hear the word ungodly sinners, they seem to think, well, that applies and he's referring to someone else besides me. Man's pride just cannot hardly accept that by nature I was ungodly. Man's pride resists that. But I'll tell you this. You and I were just as ungodly as anyone else. And here is God's grace. Here's God's grace. He sent His Son into this world to die for the ungodly. That's just beyond our imagination. We know it's true. It's in God's Word. If He had sent His Son into the world to die for good people, in my opinion, that would have been an act of foolishness. Why die for good people? Why die for the righteous? It was, in fact, the just for the unjust, it was not the just for the just. He came to save the worst of all of God's creation. You will not find any part of God's creation any worse than an ungodly sinner. There is no worse create, cr creature upon the earth than you and I were by nature. There's not anything worse than that. Just consider just a few things that we see here in our text. He died for the ungodly. And again, I'll say in verse 10, enemies. Enemies in our mind by wicked works. Christ died for the ungodly. If you want to get an idea or maybe a picture of the magnitude of the death of Jesus Christ and the depth of the depravity of man and what a blessing that you are, have received if you're a true believer, it took the death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to transform a sinner into a saint. Now that's a miraculous work. That transforming a sinner into the saint is a, a, a greater miracle of God, I think, than creation itself. To change a sinner into a saint using the words of verse 6 to, to change the ungodly into a godly person. What was required? The Son of God must die. The Son of God must die. Even for one sinner to become a saint, the Son of God must die. By nature, John was not a better person 
than Judas. Not by nature. By nature, John, Peter, Paul, Matthew, any of you want to name, were no better than Judas Iscariot. They were all by nature ungodly sinners. But look at the transformation in their, their lives. Turn with me here in Romans to chapter 9, if you would. As you turn, I'm going to mention this. The potter does not make a vessel of mercy out of better quality clay than he makes a vessel of wrath. The clay of a vessel of mercy is not a better quality of clay. It's all of the same lump. In Romans in chapter 9, I'm going to begin and just read here verse 21. Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vassal unto honor and another unto dishonor? The potter. Much can be learned from the potter. All of mankind originates from the same lump of clay. The difference is how God has designed and ordained to make some vessels and make them different from another vessel. When I read this in my mind, I just picture in my mind a, a potter. He has this lump of clay and he just takes some up, puts it on his wheel, and in his mind he knows how he's going to fashion this vessel, and he works on it till he gets it just like he wants it. Now that same lump of clay, he takes the clay, puts it on his wheel, and at this time, he has a different design in mind. A vessel of wrath fitted to destruction. That's a hard doctrine that many cannot accept. But notice verse 21. Hath not the potter power, that word authority over the clay, of the same lump, to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, Endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory. And you view these two types of vessels and you trace their history back to one lump of clay. One lump of clay. I'll say again, by nature, we're no better than anyone else. By nature, ungodly sinners. By nature, 
by nature. It's hard for me to put into words the things that go through my mind when I think about the, the nature of fallen man. The nature of fallen man. And it is so sinful and corrupt and ungodly that in its own estimation, it thinks it's the greatest of God's creation. It thinks it's really something. Everyone, with the exception of Jesus Christ, is born into this world, has in them, by that nature, that pride of man. The pride of the flesh. Those who truly, truly understand the grace of God. And just looking at our text, Romans 5 and in verse 6, it will humble us. It will humble us. Nothing of merit here, nothing of worth, nothing that we could do, dead and without strength, rebels against God, but Christ died for that kind of people. If you've never felt like you were an ungodly sinner, as I said in the earlier message, you're probably not saved. Ungodly sinners. I'm going to mention this before I close. I find great comfort in Romans 5 and in verse 6. Because I know if Christ had not died for the ungodly, I would have been left out. I would not have been included. And you would not have been included. For we were among the ungodly. I learned from Romans 5 and in verse 6 that no sinner can truthfully say, I am too sinful for the Lord to save me. I've done too much. I'm just not the, that kind of person where Christ died for that kind of person. Christ died for the ungodly. There is no sinner that is too sinful to be saved by the grace of God. Ungodly. Jesus Christ died for those who were condemned already. Do you realize when the Lord saved you, you were under a death sentence. You were condemned already. Every unbeliever is condemned already. If not condemned, what are you saved from? Condemned already. The gospel of Jesus Christ carries the good news, the glad tidings to any and all who can hear it. 
Christ died for the ungodly. Those that have an ear to hear, quickened by the Spirit of God, that is the best news they can ever hear. For they'll know that's the group I'm in. Ungodly. Ungodly. He died for sinners. As I mentioned and many times and Lord willing will mention many more times. The grace of God is so great. He has designed the matter of salvation to be so simple. So simple. Nothing complicated about it. How is one of the ungodly ever saved? By believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. No great works to perform. Just a simple act of believing. All are ungodly by nature, but I can tell every ungodly sinner, all that you have to do to be saved is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. Everything else done by Christ. All you have to do is believe on Christ. You can raise up and say, well, preacher, does not the Bible say God has to give? I know all of that. But I tell sinners, just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord willing, you'll grow in grace and in knowledge later on. But just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. 